What is up, beautiful people? And welcome back to another episode of Mother Knows Best. Ooh, child. Let's just say it was another tough week, but honey, I thank y'all. Thank y'all for hanging in there with your girl and staying along for the journey, baby. And let's be real, this is my second time <laughs> recording this episode. The first episode was recorded and something happened to the audio file. And so here we are. We are re-recording this bad boy and we are going to get it uploaded, sugar, and we're going to keep on rocking and rolling as we always do. So we are going to pick up where we left off on this, you know, mad runaway train to depression, if you will. And I don't know if y'all remember before I said one of the things with this journey is realizing that my depression started sooner than I even thought it did. So technically, this story that I'm going to tell is the start of my depression. I didn't know it then, but <laughs> looking back now, baby, we, we now see it. So where we left off with uh, part one of Air Park was um, the termination of David, the person who was a food, senior food service director that came in. And if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. I ain't going to redig it back up. But anyway, so <laughs> go ahead and fast forward on through that. We now in 2016, right? So um, right in the midst of all the uh, David let, being let go, you know, the school year was soon to end. So David get let go. We finish out the school year and then we switch over to summer mode. And with CPS, summer mode is... You have some schools that have summer school and they feed the kids that are in the summer school programs, as well as they will have some schools that are just feeding locations. And what that is, is it's a cart that goes outside and offers a meal, a fruit, a vegetable, you know, sandwich, protein, something and um, milk, water, juice, you know. And kids from the local neighborhood can come up, just give their name and they get a bag lunch and meal and they go about their day. So one of the reasons this story is so hard to tell, you know, excuse me, is um there there was part of our summer stuff is we would do big cookouts and big, you know, school programs and trainings and stuff like that. And one of the people that I always kind of had a problem with ever since I stepped foot into Airmark CPS was a young man by the name of Denzel. And Denzel was a little younger than me. He was a couple of years younger than me. And queer, black male. And as usual, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but it just is what it is. When two queens meet each other for the first time, it, it ain't always the easiest thing, right? It, it's one person being there before the other, so they feel like this their territory. They've become the resident queer, the resident queen, honey. And they don't be too friendly of another one coming in on their turf, baby. You know, I've even been that girl sometimes and had to remind myself, like, bitch, this ain't yours. Go sit the fuck down. Like, <laughs> they can hire whoever else. You ain't got to be the resident queer, baby. You go ahead and welcome that child in and show them the ropes. But anyway, um, we had just had a... Um, event at a school and we had uh brought out you know burgers and hot dogs and milk and stuff and we had just seen each other and we were in summer mode i was running stuff around i was running milk to schools i was running 
you know, bread and different items to school so we could get, you know, the sandwiches and stuff made for the kids for the summer feeding program. And it was late in the afternoon and we get a phone call or get an email talking about, you know, everybody needs to jump on a conference call. And we get on the conference call. Everybody's like, you know, what's going on? What happened? And we find out that Denzel has been shot and killed. Outside of a school, um, it looked like it appeared to be a robbery, and it was caught on camera. He got in the car, rolled down the windows, was letting the air conditioning kick on. They came up, shot him in the head, stole the stuff, and drove off. And hearing that and having to process that was... One of the hardest moments, and really, I will be honest, was the part that really broke me is who I was. Because this young man I just saw days ago, and even though we didn't get along, you know, personally, I understood his struggle. You know, to be Black in corporate America is one thing. But to be black and queer in corporate America is a whole new monster. You are scrutinized already for being in a white man's world. And then you are in a white man's world and you got an extra switch in your walk and your voice is a little more high pitched. You are immediately strutting through that entire operation with two targets on your back. And that is something that a lot of people do not discuss, nor do we share the stories of that, right? And while we, again, while we may not have gotten along, we understood the struggle of what each other were going through and could still joke and be cordial with one another. And now here I am on this conference call hearing that he's gone. His life has been taken away. While doing what we all do, you know, I wish I could tell y'all that it was something out of the ordinary. I can look back now and there were times I would sit outside some of my schools with my sunroof open, all my windows down, my driver's seat laid back and my left leg sticking out the car in the middle of gang territory because I had a conference call and I didn't want to go inside the building and do the call because I didn't want to lose service or I didn't want to be on the school phone that you'd have to do, you know, all these dial codes to get onto the conference calls and stuff. I can't tell you how many times I sat in my car while (laughs) drug transactions were going on or I was loading items into a stadium while the trap house was active across the street, you know, walking into buildings and drive-by shootings. I mean, you you name it, you see it out in this industry. And it's never talked about, you know? It's never discussed. You know, people don't really sit at the bar and, you know, be like, man, we lived through another hell day. You know, they just be like, oh, man. You know, they start complaining about the individual things or the people at the buildings and the problems. But... um. You know, we get off the conference call and I remember immediately like just going home, being totally shooken and 
just crying because this boy was shot and killed June 17th, 2016 at the age of 25. I was 26, about to be 27 because my birthday was June 26th. It was coming up. So here I am, literally just two years older than this boy and he's gone. And it's still hard now to even process, right? I'm sitting here telling y'all this story and re-earthing all this. And I just remember being so mind blown that I just saw this man two days before. Excuse me. And I'm literally just roughly two years older than him and he's gone. So at that point, you know, the schools and everything, everybody was on high alert. You know, we... We you know would not sit out. We couldn't sit out in the cars anymore. We had to be a lot more visual. We had to be paying attention more, and you know, making sure that we were checking in more often. Um, had call buddies, or if you were going to a school, you know, by yourself, and you were unsure of the area, you know, go with somebody else. You know, there, we all of these things kind of get put in place. In the midst of all this, I'm still burnt out, right? So. <laughs> I'm still, you know, trying to run all these schools and do all these things and, you know, work with the summer schools. And these are new schools that I've just taken over as well as some of my old schools. And I'm just in this whirlwind of trying to carry the world on my shoulders, deal with personal stuff, which we'll talk about next episode, and, you know, deal with now not feeling safe at my job or at least being more aware of my safety at the job. And it it just shook me to the core and I was so, so numb. You know, all of us, Kaziah, Robin, other people, uh, Casey, Kelly, a bunch of other people, we all like banded together because we couldn't believe it. You know, we had... Again, we all would sit in our car at some of these schools, like taking conference calls or doing emails or whatever, or just really taking a breath before you walked into the school because you didn't know what you were about to walk into. Yo, manager off. They got a, they didn't send a pool manager out and they ain't ordered bread in three days. Like, you know, you just be so stressed out and so caught up in the, in the, in the, day-to-day whirlwind bullshit of it all that you forget about yourself as a person because you so focused on the struggle of what you got to do. And if you don't do it, somebody going to be on your ass. And it's ridiculous. So after we get, you know, that, you know, through that conference call and through the weeks or whatever, um, there were a few meetings about, you know, planning for his funeral. And because I was, you know, pretty close with a lot of people in CPS, I got privy to a lot of, you know, conversations that were going on behind the scenes around this man's death. You know, his mother talking to the former client, oh, well, when I'm going to get my check, when I'm going to get my money. And then she at the funeral crying, yelling, screaming, my baby. Like, we'll get there, y'all. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus. Um, So... We get through the planning meetings, and now we are at his funeral, right? Um, it was right around my birthday. I want to say my birthday was that Saturday, and his funeral was like that Sunday or Monday. So 
I've celebrated my birthday knowing that this boy's funeral was coming up. And, you know, it was a little numb. I had family in town and was still just very numb trying to get through it all. And we get to the funeral. You know, I drive in. I get there. I find my work wife at the time, Casey, and I sit next to her. And I'm just sitting there. And it's a traditional Black funeral, right? Black Baptist funeral. There's songs. There's dancing. There's crying and screaming. And, you know, there's the family. And you got the family all looking all prim and proper, top button, you know, mama crying and screaming, my baby, my, I can't believe my baby gone. And it, it took everything in my power sitting in that funeral, not to get up in front of that congregation and be like, you've been too busy, worried about a check, let alone that your son was dead. So don't be trying to act all, you know, hella concerned now, but Everybody told me not to, and I did it. I wasn't that girl, you know. I, I wanted to be, but I didn't turn out to be their girl. And um, we're sitting there, and everybody they start to, you know, go up and view the body. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot see this little boy in that casket because, in my mind, it could have been me. It could have been any of us. We've all have been guilty of sitting in front of a school while the air conditioner kicked on, or. While we were doing a, you know, again, a conference call or something. If, if, if we just were waiting to go inside the building, like it was 2.30 and our after school program didn't start till 3.45. And we, it was our only school for the day that we had to visit. They had an after school program. You would just sit outside and wait until you need to go in and check everything, you know? So it could have been any of us. And that deep pit is what, you know, really shook a lot of us because it didn't seem like it was just, you know, a random thing. It was, you know, or it didn't seem like it was targeted. You know, it seemed like if anybody would have been in their car at that time, it could have been us, you know? And that still blows my mind, you know, just still to this day. And that was really hard. And it's still hard to process and think, you know, but here we are. You know, it is what it is. This is part of this story. It's therapy for me and I needed to relive this. So after the funeral, um, summer school is in full swing and I'm still distraught. I'm out of it. I'm not, you know, on my game. I am sleeping all hours. I'm not getting up on time. I'm late to meetings. I am just, my body is going, but my mind was not present. And I can say that with, without batting an eyelash. I was doing the things that I felt the world expected of me and people expected of me, but Brandon, mother, father was not present, right? So um, the following week, so right after the funeral, the following week, I'm headed into work and I'm driving down Sheridan, headed towards Lakeshore Drive, and my car completely malfunctions. The steering plunger explodes and it throws me into the car to the right of me. I remember not knowing what happened. I remember just getting out of the car to make sure the other person was okay. And then getting to myself to the side of the road, calling my partner and just in tears. And like, you know, I, 
I had a car accident. I don't know what happened. Like, just get here. And I'm trying to tell him where I'm at. And I just couldn't function. I couldn't process. I couldn't even begin to understand what happened and what I needed to do as far as like calling the insurance company and calling tow trucks and all of that. I was just so numb. And, you know, now in hindsight, (laughs) I can sit and laugh at this now because it was a blessing in disguise. You know, I was already running late for the day and was about to jump on Lakeshore Drive and probably do a good 80 or 90 miles try, uh, down to you know, Lakeshore Drive trying to get to my destination and places I needed to be because I was already late for the day. And come to find out that particular day, it was so hot that Lakeshore Drive had started to buckle in certain spots and you know, little holes had started opening up in pockets in the road. So me doing 80, 90 miles per hour down Lakeshore Drive. Lakeshore Drive starts to buckle. My car would have malfunctioned and would have thrown me to the right. I would probably not be sitting here telling you this story if that would have happened. So I can sit back now and be like, oh, thank God it happened up there, honey. But in the midst, in the moment, right, that wasn't the case. (laughs) I'm like, hello, what was going on? Where? Why is this happening to me, right? So I remember getting a car towed out to Progressive. I ran and got a rental car. I got all of the stuff that I had in the car that needed to get ran to school and put it in my partner's car. We got to Enterprise. I got the rental. I threw it all inside of the rental. And then literally right after a car accident, shaking up and all, I ran into work to deliver stuff and to you know handle my day. I emailed my district manager saying that I was in a car accident and they were like, oh, are you going to get out to your schools? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm out at the schools, but, you know, thanks for giving a whole hell of a lot about if I'm okay or what happened to me or, you know, anything, right? It was just, oh, well, best of luck to you, bitch. Like, did you get out there still? Yeah, motherfucker, I did, but who cares? And also one of the things with CBS, like during the summer, they have a after the welcome back meeting, they end the school year starts. We also have like these in-service days where the staff will come and do training. Honey, I started being late to those. <laughs> I was, I, I almost missed the welcome back meet chat. Like I was just so burnt out and tired. I almost missed that meeting. And I remember people talking to me and trying to be like, oh, well, you know, what's new with you and what's going on? And, I couldn't even respond. I was just like, you know, I'm here. I'm all right. <laughs> I was so tired, y'all. And the school year started and I started going to these schools, child, because now we had changed everything around. So we, they'd taken my schools from me. I had now had all of these elementary schools. And I now have schools that the previous food service directors didn't teach them shit. And I will say that with utmost confidence and if any of y'all want to come after me do so but hadn't been trained or taught shit i had one manager who had been like the bane of every food service director's existence i had one who was on her way to retire and had just come back from an injury and really didn't know what she was doing and hadn't been trained 
I had another young manager that had never been trained on how to do her production records or how to even order. They handed me the sticks, y'all. Like, for real, for real. And trying to get through these schools, dealing with principals. And I will tell you, the one, one of the most depressing things I've ever seen out in Chicago public schools, and if it's still happening, shame on this entire system and shame on any school system that does this. In the schools in the predominantly black neighborhoods, you have administrators, you have teachers, you have security guards that talk to these kids like they are prisoners, like they are the demon spawn and these adults are the wardens. And they yell at these kids and are talking to them like they are nothing. And then they will validate it by saying, oh, it's better to hear from us than from a cop or from a prison guard. How is it better? You sound just like these prison guards. So all you doing is conditioning them and getting them ready for this shit. You're not helping them. And if you think you are helping them, knock, knock, baby. This is where generational curses start and how they continue. You are doing these babies no favor doing that. And I remember having this moment of like being depressed, but awoke at the same time and getting into it with principals and different security guards, like stop talking to these kids like that. Stop rushing them. Let these babies eat. It, uh, it was disgusting in some of these schools and it was really hard to just keep going day in and day out. And I remember knowing that my time was near because well, my, my the end of my time, I should say, because it got to the point where the district manager would call me and every morning making sure that I was awake, making sure that my phone was on so I would be at certain places on time or at least the time he expected me to be there. And I started looking for other jobs and told Mark and Mark was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that would be really good. And I'm like, okay, well. This one's calling me. Mark is saying this is a good idea for you to start looking for other jobs. And then as reviews were coming to a close, they wanted my reviews like a week and a half early. Girl, three strikes. You don't think she didn't realize what's up and what's happening? Okay, sure. So we're now in February 2017, right? And I am told I have to have my reviews in. I need to have all of the Supplies that I ordered for these schools delivered out. And there's also this lovely new lady who keeps showing up at all of my schools unannounced. And they're like, oh, she's training to be a food service director. Do y'all think a bitch is dumb? Do I got stupid tattooed on my forehead? You clearly about to replace me, right? So on the day I get fired, I get this lovely email from... uh, my boss, Mark. And he's like, oh, uh, let's meet up today and uh, talk. I'm like, um, honey, if you fire me, can we just hurry up and get this done? Like, I don't got time to beat around the bush. Like, no. And he's like, okay, fine. Meet, let's meet at this time. Cool. So I start telling everybody, you know, goodbye. I know this my time. But I also had a little bone to pick. Because 
Jim Baker, because I'm going to just go ahead and put his whole fucking name out there because I don't give a shit. His real name is James Baker, but everybody calls him Jim. This asshole was the district manager at the time. And it's like, oh, get everything delivered and you need to make sure all of your uh, reviews are turned into Jill, you know, before the end of the day. And was just riding my ass hard, making sure I get this. And oh, uh, all the iPads need to be returned because um, they are no longer being used out in the field. Nobody else has had to bring theirs back. Why just me? Why is mine due back so early? Right. But again, I knew. So me being the asshole and the the bitch that I am, I'll go ahead and type a good goodbye email up and just out and out everything out and all the bullshit, what I was handed, how Jim has, you know, expected me to have all these reviews in because he had been planning to fire me and hadn't told nobody and already hired my replacement, you know, and after I got there to meet Mark and handed in my computer, shook his hand, said my goodbyes, I walked out and hit send on that email. Because <laughs> your girl already had it tight, baby. And when I tell you, I think it was Jim's like goal to have my email and my Airmark account shut down as quickly as he could because I had embarrassed that ass across the board. I want to say within 30 minutes, everything was shut down and all emails and access had been suspended. But what they misunderstood was they was dealing with moi. They was dealing with mother baby. So what did mother do? I blind CC'd my personal email address. So I still kept getting everything and seeing all the responses and everything that everybody was sending out. Lo and behold, later that day, they had a meeting to finally introduce this lovely young lady that had been strutting around my schools as the new food service director and that she would be taking over my area. She looks around the room and was like, oh, do you think Brandon knew? And my girls, my Judys were like, yeah, he knew. He was fully aware. And it just goes to show you, like, if you allow these jobs to really just do whatever they want to you, we end up exactly where we are currently. You know, recently we've had the great resignation where a lot of people have quit their jobs. They are stepping away. I was one of those people. The reason this podcast started was to share my story, to help other people. And because I walked away from a job, I am Tired of working in corporate America and being mistreated and not being valued and paid what I'm worth. So, fuck it. I'll go do my own thing. I'll go do this podcast. I'll do other business ventures and things that I have my heart and mindset on because I owe that to myself. I owe it to myself to find my voice and keep finding it, to heal and to process and to grow and to be able to spend time with my loved ones and people I care about. And hell, just myself, you know? And what isn't discussed with the American dream is, is that your dream? Is that what you want? Is this working in corporate America what you want? Is that what makes your heart go pitter-pat? And if the answer is no, then it's okay to walk away from corporate America. And I really feel like finally the world is opening up to that and understanding that. And it's a beautiful thing. And I cannot, I repeat, I cannot wait 
to see where this takes us and how these big companies start to, you know, fold and understand that they need to respect their workers and respect us and give us the pay and the fair treatment that we deserve. But, you know, we'll get more on that too down the road. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, you know, that's part two, y'all. And next week we're going to jump into, you know, the personal. What was happening between these, you know, part one and part two of this story in the personal life, because that also is what, you know, kind of aided and drove a lot of things and helped out, you know, with the issues and the relapse that just happened over the past couple of weeks. So if y'all are still interested, as I hope you are, I will see y'all next week, baby, for another story. As always, I love you. If you need any type of support, please reach out. I do have the Facebook as well as Twitter. And until then, stay wonderful, stay blessed, and stay fabulous, honey. Okay? Love you all. Mm-hmm.